BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Senator, good to be with you as always in person this week. Uh, as If you're listening to this, this is also a video uh, version as well. You can grab it on YouTube and on Facebook as well. Also, parts of it will be on X, so make sure that you go and see some of these clips that we're going to be having for you if you're listening audio only. I want to start with this shocking week coming out of Washington, D.C. You had the presidents of several of these Ivy League schools. They were asked to come and testify before Congress uh, about anti-Semitism on college campuses. Now, you would think they would have been prepped by their staffs, by their PR groups at the university to how to not screw this up. Uh, If they were prepped, everyone that prepped them should be fired because they didn't do anything to make Jewish students feel more comfortable or feel safe on their college campuses. And it really, I think, shocked the nation that these universities clearly were refusing to condemn anti-Semitism on their campus. Well, that's exactly right. This week was very consequential. You know, since October 7th, uh, on this podcast, we have covered in virtually every episode either what is happening on the ground in Israel, what is happening in Gaza, what is happening with Hamas, or the corporate media's bias, pro-Hamas bias, undermining Israel, or the vicious anti-Semitism that we're seeing on the left, whether it's the squad, Uh, in the House of Representatives, or whether it is on university campuses. I will say the testimony of three university presidents that occurred last week in the House of Representatives was extremely consequential. You had the president of Harvard University, you had the president of Penn, and you had the president of MIT. I cannot think of testimony that has gone worse for the witnesses in my time in the Senate. Wow. It was a train wreck. It is reminiscent of you have to go back more than a decade to when the tobacco CEOs testified before Congress and it was blood, blood all over the hearing room. I mean, it went badly. These university presidents demonstrated zero understanding of the vicious anti-Semitism that that suffuses their institution, zero understanding, zero empathy, and, and they thoroughly embrace the rot of cultural Marxism. 
And, and, and it was, and, and throughout it all, their testimony, they were smug, they were condescending, that they had a know-it-all attitude, that, that, that almost every question, it was, how dare you ask me this question? So, so let's start with just a little exchange of, of Elise Stefanik, who is, who is a member of Republican leadership in the House. Uh, Elise is a Harvard graduate. She and I together led a letter uh, of members of Congress who are Harvard graduates denouncing Harvard's treatment uh, of Jewish students, den- denouncing their inability to stand up and condemn October 7th, their inability to condemn uh, the Hamas atrocities. And, and, and Elise did a terrific job. Here she's asking what should be a very simple question. How many Jewish students are there on campus at Harvard? Give a listen. Dr. Gay, according to the Hillel College Guide, the Crimson Freshman Survey, and even Harvard's own Education Next Journal, the population of Jewish undergrads at Harvard has plummeted from roughly 25% in the 1980s to between 5 and 10% now. Why is that? That is not data that we collect as part of the admissions process, so I can't speak to those numbers or to the trajectory. So what is the percentage of students uh, who are Jewish at Harvard in undergraduate now? We do not collect religious affiliation as part of the admissions process. Do you not rely on data collected by Harvard Hillel, which you visited for for the first time after October 7th? I'll just be honest with you. When I was a freshman, I enjoyed going to Harvard Hillel and had the opportunity to celebrate Shabbat dinners with my fellow undergrads. The fact that it took you until after October 7th to go to Harvard Hillel is unacceptable. Yield back. I mean, Senator, you listen to that. There's a lot of data, and universities love sharing data about how diverse their student body is. If you, I, I remember going back on on trips as a, as a, you know when you're trying to figure out where you're going to go to college, and they had every breakdown of everything. I guarantee they probably know how many transgender yeah. students are on campus. Yeah, let's c- cut to the chase. She's lying. She's flat out lying. I do not believe her. Listen, this is the Harvard admissions process that is the most Bean County admission yeah. process ever. They've got a quota for one-legged transgender opera singers. Like, like, like it, it is, and by the way, it is Harvard, at Claudine Gay's direction, that was litigating in the Supreme Court to defend their right to discriminate based on race. Yeah. So, and by the way, she, you know, she says, we don't keep track of religious affiliation. Well, being Jewish is two things. It is a religion. Judaism is a religion, but it is also an ethnicity. There are people who are ethnically Jewish. There are people who are ethnically Jewish who can religiously be another faith. They can be Christians. There are Messianic Jews who are ethnically Jewish, but yet their religion is Christianity. There are, are Jews who are atheists, who are not, do not follow Judaism, but are nonetheless Jews. And by the way, there are people who are non-Jews who nonetheless convert to the Jewish faith. So, so, so when she says... Well, we don't know how many Jews there are. I do not believe her. And in fact, I would be willing to wager a large amount of money. The statement that we don't collect a date on how many Jews there are in the admissions process is a flat out lie because they certainly look to race and ethnicity and, and, and being Jewish is an ethnicity. And let me point out also a broader irony. Look, Harvard has a terrible record when it comes to racial discrimination. Harvard is an institution that believes in racial discrimination. In the 1950s, Harvard had what were called Jewish quotas. They capped the number of Jews 
Wow. Who were allowed into their classes. And they formally capped them because, and they were starting to move to a more meritocratic admissions process. And Jewish students were doing well. They were getting good test scores, good grades. So they were getting in on merits in a higher percentage. And so Harvard stepped in and said, we don't want too many Jews. And so they put Jewish quotas in place. So for a Harvard professor, the president of Harvard to say, well, we don't know. Look, Harvard Hillel is a student organization on campus. I have to admit the stats that Elise Stefanik just said. Yeah, we, we, we actually, that was shocking just on its face. I, I, I mean, I can tell you what, when I was at Harvard for law school, when I was at Princeton for undergrad, the stats she mentioned when she was there, it was about 25% Jewish. That feels about right to me of what it was then. I don't know the stats from my time there, but it, but it was a significant percentage of the class. A lot of my friends were Jewish. It was a, it was a large percentage of the class. If Harvard is down to 5 to 10%, that is a stunning drop. And you would think Harvard Hillel would keep those records. It says a lot that the president of Harvard had never been to Harvard Hillel. So apparently when it comes to student groups, that's not one she cares about at all. But number two, there is a blind spot. University administrators are bathed in cultural Marxism, in the views of the radical left. Can, for people that listen, they may not know the definition of cultural Marxism. We, we talk about it a lot, especially in this context. Say, can you just give that definition again? Because I think it's so important they understand it. Well, Karl Marx, when he wrote the Communist Manifesto, he laid out a view of the world, and it was a view based on economic determinism. And it was a view of inevitable conflict, conflict between oppressors and victims. And, and for Marx, he used a socioeconomic lens. So the oppressors were the owners of capital. And the victims were the proletariat, the working men and women. And the solution that he advocated was the violent revolution of the proletariat against the oppressors. Cultural Marxism uses the mechanisms of culture to frame the world through a Marxist lens, but not just socioeconomic. So today, the cultural Marxists, they look at Israel and they have coded, they have defined Jews as oppressors. They look at Israel and Gaza. They have coded, they have defined Palestinians as victims. Once that is the case, ideologically, the cultural Marxists support the violent revolution of the so-called victims against the so-called oppressors. It's why 35 student groups at Harvard cheered on the Hamas atrocities and said every murder, every rape, every child that was slaughtered is 100% the fault of Israel because cultural Marxists celebrate when so-called victims are murdering so-called oppressors. It's why Black Lives Matter, the Chicago chapter, sent out a tweet of a paraglider, the same paraglider that Hamas terrorists used to murder hundreds of Israelis at the outdoor music concert, saying we stand with Palestine. They're celebrating the mass murder of civilians. Why? Because in their worldview, those civilians were the oppressors, and so they root for the violence. These administrators, the reason why you're seeing such vicious anti-Semitism on campus is they have bought into the view that Jews are colonial settlers, they are oppressive, and so we should all celebrate, in their view, 
when the oppressors are slaughtered. It is grotesque. And, and we're going to play right now a segment of questioning that, that is enormously consequential. I'll tell you what you're about to watch, what you're about to listen to, has already resulted in one of these three witnesses being fired. As we stand here today, Liz McGill, the president of Penn, lost her job because of how she answered this question. By the way, the chairman of the board of trustees of Penn lost his job because of how Liz McGill answered this question. So that's one, and I think we could easily see all three of these college presidents lose their jobs because of this testimony. So if you're watching on YouTube, watch and see their expressions. If you're listening, give a listen. Does M- at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated as harassment if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your testimony that you will not answer yes? If it is, if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm gonna give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. And is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes that calling for the genocide of Jews 
violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. It was shocking, and I want to get you to break all this down before we do that, though. Let me tell you about our friends over at Blackout Coffee. There's a lot of woke cups of coffee that are out there that you can buy. You probably know the companies I'm talking about right now. But how would you like to start your day off with a premium cup of coffee from a conservative company? It is Blackout Coffee. Now, I start radio every day at 7 a.m. I've got to wake up. And I want to be awake, not woke. And that's why I want you to know about Blackout Coffee. Blackout Coffee is 100% committed to conservative values. From sourcing the beans to the roasting process to customer support and shipping, they embody true American values and they accept no compromise on taste or quality. Now, I like a great cup of coffee and that's what you get from Blackout Coffee. And you can try Blackout Coffee right now at a huge discount. You can go to blackoutcoffee.com slash Verdict. That's blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Use the promo code verdict. You're going to get 20% off your first order. So you're going to say big. Plus, if you've got a coffee drinker on your Christmas list, check out all of their gift sets at blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. 20% off those Christmas gifts as well. Check them out. So if you like great coffee, you're going to love blackout coffee. You're going to love knowing that you're getting an American cup of coffee right here in the U.S. that is a company that's family-owned and operated as well. Blackoutcoffee.com slash verdict. Use promo code verdict for 20% off. Senator, you, you look at the, that testimony. You don't go before Congress without getting ready yep. for it. These presidents were not caught off guard. No. They knew that this was going to be a rigorous back and forth. And they were deliberate in their anti-Semitic stance here. They were, this was not an accident. All three of those presidents side with the protesters. Ideologically, when they see crazed anti-Semitic protesters chanting from the river to the sea. By the way, from the river to the sea means from the Jordan River to the sea. It is calling for the annihilation of every Jew in Israel. That's what from the river to the sea means when they chant intifada. Intifada was the war that the Palestinians, that Hamas waged on Israel, murdering Israeli civilians. They are calling for death. Every one of those college professors, they're rooting for the protesters. as As they walk past them, they view the protesters as the good guys and they view their Jewish students as the bad guys. That's why this question was so difficult for them. Look, it it also, it's worth noting when it comes to genocide, this is not an abstract question concerning the Jewish people. The Jewish people were the subject of the most horrific genocide in the history of humanity. Adolf Hitler and the Nazis murdered over six million Jews, systematically murdered them in concentration camps, Anti-Semitism is an evil that has been on the face of this planet for millennia. It is a unique evil. It is a persistent evil. And we are seeing it. And, and you know, Elise Stefanik at the end, she pointed out that, that you're dehumanizing yeah. uh, the, the Jewish students. Notice Claudine Gay, the, pre- the president of Harvard, she said, well, it depends if it's particularized. What part of we should kill all the Jews is not particularized. If you're a Jewish student, 
and someone is screaming at you, kill all the Jews. That's pretty damn particularized. If someone goes to you and screams, kill everyone named Ben, you'd feel pretty particularized by that. Yeah. And this is not speech. This is not arguing about we should have a one state or two state solution in the Middle East. This is not a public policy debate about. It's not a great debate. It's genocide. It, 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 it is. And it's harassment and threats. Look, the first of those witnesses, Sal, uh, Sally Kornbluth, who's the president of MIT. MIT has allowed Jewish students to be kept out of class. So their ideology is directly interfering with carrying out their pedagogical mission, the mission of a university to educate their students. Jewish students have repeatedly reported being afraid to go to class because they're being threatened with violence. And the MIT president won't do a damn thing about it. She won't protect her Jewish students. Each one of those individuals. Look, Liz McGill, I actually know. So Liz clerked with me. Really? So the year I clerked on the Supreme Court, I clerked for Chief Justice Rehnquist. She clerked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So I, I knew her then. She's a lawyer, very smart. You know, she was always kind of lefty. She was fairly benign. She was nice enough. Um, among the clerks, there were, there were clerks that were really very partisan and very lefty. Liz McGill never seemed excessively so, but she was happily in the left, left of the clerks. She's a law professor. She was the dean at Stanford. She was the provost at Virginia. Now she's the president of Penn. I'll tell you why she was fired. She was fired because a number of donors stood up and said, we're cutting off the cash. One of them was threatening $100 million. Multiple donors. I sat down with Mark Rowan, who's the, the chair of the, of the board of trustees of Wharton, which is one of the schools, the business school uh, at, at Penn. Um, he was calling for her to be fired. He was helping lead the fight. Um, we've seen multiple people. We've seen Ronald Lauder threaten to cut off the money he provides to Penn. We saw the Huntsman family that had been big donors threaten to cut off the money to Penn. That's one of the very few ways to get a woke university's attention is go after the money. And, and listen, I think there's a very good chance that the presidents of Harvard and MIT could be fired as well. But I'll tell you, both those institutions are hoping this just blows over. They're defending them, in essence, by not firing them right away after they witnessed this testimony. This testimony was a train wreck. And look, it's worth noting also, none of the three expressed one iota of empathy. Um, none of them expressed what a Jewish student would feel walking down the, the sidewalk and having protesters not engaging in speech, but threatening and harassing. Look, I am a free speech absolutist, but free speech does not protect the right to make threats or harassment, threats of violence. Why is it that the MIT students couldn't go to class? Because they were afraid of being injured, physically harmed. Why is it, we talked about this on an earlier verdict, that the USC professor, an economics professor who happens to be Jewish, why did USC ban the Jewish professor from stepping foot on campus? Because anti-Semitic protesters threatened him with violence. And the administrators at USC side with the protesters and not their own professor. Yeah. None of the three of them have the tiniest bit of empathy. Look, we've seen footage of students at Harvard, Jewish students at Harvard, being harassed. There's a difference between engaging in free speech and engaging in active harassment. And by the way, all three of them hate free speech. 
every one of them, if you misgender someone, game on. If you see Leah Thomas, who's built like Michael Phelps and is anatomically a dude, and if you make that point, that is, in their view, that's clearly harassment. It's clearly over the line. That's when you can get kicked out of school. But if you call for the genocide of the entire Jewish people, that, as they say, depends on the context. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. Hi, I'm Ben Ferguson. Inflation is heavily eroding your purchasing power, putting your savings, your retirement accounts, and future legacy at risk. With more taxes, the continuous threat of war, a national debt exceeding $34 trillion, and the push for central bank digital currencies, our financial freedom is at stake. So if you have $50,000 or more in retirement savings, you may be at risk. In times of economic uncertainty, securing your family's financial future is essential. Freedom Gold USA is here to empower you. You can act now by calling them 1-800-655-8843. And you can find out more by visiting them at freedomgoldusa.com slash Ben. Why should you go there? Because the team at Freedom Gold USA is ready to help you preserve your wealth and provide stability in these uncertain times. Learn how to add gold and silver to your IRA or have it shipped to your home. You can safeguard your wealth with physical gold and silver and take control of your financial future today. Now, here's the best part. When you call them, you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. That's right. Call 1-800-655-8843 or visit freedomgoldusa.com slash Ben to see if you qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. That's freedomgoldusa.com slash Ben. Two things I want to ask you quickly on this. Number one, even the president that was fired still got to keep tenured job as a professor yeah. at the university. So there's your golden parachute. Yeah, she's in the law school. She gets paid. She's Never a tenured leave. professor. Yeah. You, uh, uh, I mean, that. You, yeah, you got demoted, but you still kept your basic job, your tenured job in the law school indoctrinating kids, which brings me to my question, too. When you were growing up, and, and it was the same way for me, you wanted to go to the best school you could get into, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, 
you know, Wharton. I had friends that went there, for example. That was the Holy Grail. I look at this now, and I would say to any parent out there, just because your kid can get in now doesn't necessarily mean you want your kid to go there, in my opinion, because the way that they're indoctrinating and not protecting people, for example, that are Jewish. Do you want to give them your money? And is it time as, as a country that we step back and go, okay, let's look at where you know, you're, what they're teaching your kid now, not the history of these universities, because they're not the same that they were from 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. So let me say this is not theoretical or hypothetical. Since October 7th, I've had a lot of conversations uh, with friends of mine who are Jewish. I've probably had between 50 and 100 conversations with friends of mine who are Jewish. It's interesting. I've, I've asked many, most of them, I've, I've, I've asked, hey, did, did, did you have family or friends that were in Israel that were impacted on October 7th? I got to say, it's been stunning to me. It's been about half the people I've asked who are friends of mine answered yes, that they personally were affected, that they personally had a nephew, had a niece, had uh, their son's best friend, had a roommate, that, that either in some instances they had friends or family who were killed or were kidnapped on October 7th, or in more instances, they have friends or family who've been called up in the IDF and who are fighting Hamas right now. In those conversations, I've also had conversations with multiple friends of mine who were about our age, and they have college-age kids, and they have kids that are at these universities, and I've heard I would say north of a dozen of my friends have directly related to me that their kids feel unsafe in college right now. Wow. And, and, and it's, it's close to 100% of the friends of mine who have Jewish children that are in college right now, pretty much all of them are saying their kids are reporting they don't feel safe, they don't feel protected, they're afraid to go out. Um, you know, I, one friend of mine was discussing how his daughter and, and another group of Jewish students, they were, they were studying abroad in Spain, and they decided when they were, they were traveling around in Spain, and they decided when we book the uh, train tickets, when we book the, the hotel tickets, we'll have the friend of ours who has the least Jewish-sounding name, we'll book it under that name because they're afraid of violence— Unbelievable. Simply because of being identified as being Jewish. This is real. It is pervasive. And these universities are teaching this. They're indoctrinating this. They're allowing this hate to fester. And it's grotesque. For more than 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They stand behind their values, and they stand behind exceptional service. They're an example of putting the cause ahead of profit, and that is why I am proud to partner with them. Starting today, Patriot Mobile is extending their Black Friday deal with the Every Friday Matters deal, and you can get a free smartphone when you switch today. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you access to all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the radical left. 
Now, when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're supporting free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, our veterans and first responders. And more than just that, they are actually a 100% U.S.-based company with customer service teams that make switching easy. So you can keep your same number you have right now. You can keep your existing phone or, for a limited time, get a free smartphone from Patriot Mobile. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson or call them 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code FRIDAY76. That's FRIDAY76. Again, get a free smartphone with promo code FRIDAY76. This is a limited time offer. Join me. Make the switch today at PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson or 972-PATRIOT. Senator, I want to move on to another issue this week that was kind of shocking. Uh, Your colleague, Senator uh, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, has asked for a basic request, and that is subpoena the Epstein flight logs. Uh, They exist. We should know who was on those planes. And Dick Durbin kind of wanted to have it both ways, claiming, hey, I I didn't really know about this, so therefore I don't have to do it, but I'm willing to talk about it. But this should be a simple, like, yes or no question for him. Do you want Epstein's flight logs to be out there? Yes. Do we want to know who was on those planes? Yes. Do we want to know who was involved in this human and sex trafficking? Yes. So why is he defending it? And, and you may have been as shocked as I was. This doesn't seem like a smart political move, yet maybe there's so many Democrats that he's trying to protect here or big donors. I don't understand it. Yeah, look, look, Durbin is doing everything he can to cover this up, to hide the Jeffrey Epstein flight logs. Uh, take, take a look right here. This is a Fox News reporter questioning Dick Durbin as he walks to a Judiciary Committee hearing. Give a listen. Uh, I don't know anything about his flight logs. Why won't you subpoena them? Why don't you want to know? I know the issue. I know who Epstein was, but I certainly don't know anything about the issue. Well, he was charged with sex trafficking, so why don't you want to know who was utilizing his private plane? Never been raised by anyone. Senator Blackburn has wanted to subpoena them, and there hasn't been a vote in your committee. said a word to me, not a word. But aren't you curious, like, what high-profile or powerful people might be closeted predators and pedophiles? Does that concern you? So why won't you subpoena them if you can? It's the first time anyone has raised it. Thank you, Fox. So do you, are you curious about it? Will you do it? All right, so Durbin is lying, just, just like when Claudine Gay said, Harvard doesn't know how many Jewish students we have. Baloney. Yes, they do. Durbin is flat out lying. Now, let me give you some backstory. This fight occurred in the context, and we talked about this in a podcast uh, about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, where the Democrats subpoenaed Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo. Harlan Crow, very successful real estate developer based here in Texas and Dallas. Leonard Leo has been very active with the Federalist Society for a long time, very active in helping with judicial selection and in fighting for constitutionalist judges. The Democrats hate them. And the subpoenas going after Harlan Crow and going after Leonard Leo are part of their ongoing effort to harass the Supreme Court, to delegitimize the Supreme Court, and in particular to target Clarence Thomas. They despise Clarence Thomas. So in response to that, a number of Republicans had different amendments that we were pushing, that if they were going to force a vote on these subpoenas, we were going to force a vote on our amendments. So when we went into it, I had an amendment that would subpoena the GPS data 
for Hunter Biden's cell phone and Joe Biden's cell phone at the exact moment that Hunter Biden sent the WhatsApp text to the Chinese communists saying, I'm sitting here next to my father. Because we know from the IRS whistleblowers that when the investigators wanted to find out, was he in fact sitting next to Joe Biden when he was extorting the Chinese communists, the Biden DOJ blocked that and said, nope, you can't find that out. So that's what I wanted to tee up. I think that was important. I think we should have voted for it. I'm going to continue to look for an avenue to vote for it. Marsha Blackburn came up with, I think, an even better idea of a subpoena to vote on. And her idea was that we should subpoena the Epstein estate for the flight logs to, to his plane. And in particular, the Lolita Express, the, expre- the private jet that flew down to Jeffrey Epstein's island with lots and lots of politicians, allegedly, mostly Democrats. We don't know. We don't know who was on it. Yeah, show it. If there's a Republican, uh, fine. Let's yeah, find yeah, out who they are. Um, now, we do know that Epstein was was an original friend of Bill, that he was very close with Bill Clinton. He was so close with Bill Clinton. Do you know what Jeffrey Epstein had hanging on the wall? In his Maybe one room? of the creepiest, weirdest things ever. Yeah, go, go ahead and tell everybody because it's, it's, it's truly shocking. A painting of Bill Clinton wearing a blue dress Monica and wearing red high-heeled pumps. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. That's what Epstein had hanging on his wall in in, in his New York uh, house. So, Marsha Blackburn introduced an amendment to subpoena the flight logs. Um, I thought her idea was fantastic, so I co-sponsored her, her amendment. So it was a Blackburn Cruise amendment to subpoena the flight logs. Now, the first time we were going to vote on, on, on the subpoenas on Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo, we didn't vote on them. And I can tell you, like all the Republicans, we were all ready for combat. Let's go battle the Democrats. This is a partisan witch hunt. And what happened, so back behind the dais, there's a conference room where the Judiciary Committee meets. You you, you have the, the dais there. And behind it, there's a conference room, and you can go and have meetings there. I can tell you Dick Durbin was sitting in that conference room with John Ossoff, the freshman Democrat senator from Georgia, who serves on judiciary, and Durbin and Ossoff were having a heated, heated conversation. I don't know for sure what they were discussing. I didn't overhear their conversation, but it was energetic, and it delayed and delayed and delayed, and then Durbin ended up deciding not to vote on the subpoenas. And I'll tell you, all the Republican senators, we were like, what's going on? Yeah. And a number of us thought it was a a number of Republican senators suggested the problem was Ossoff told Durbin he was not willing to vote on the Epstein subpoena. Now, I don't know if that's because he didn't want it voted on or he didn't want to vote. No, I don't know why. And I don't know if it's true. I mean, we were Durbin never explained any of it to us. He just canceled it. Fast forward then. To when they did vote vote out the subpoenas, the way he did so, he allowed no amendments. He just rammed it through and blocked all amendments. And so the logical inference is the only way Durbin could get his votes for the Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo subpoenas is to stop a vote on the Jeffrey Epstein subpoena. And somebody, and I think the most likely candidate is John Ossoff, really, really, really doesn't want to vote on that I think that's all the more reason to vote on it. And by the way, 
if Ossoff is listening to this and he says, hey, that's not true, I'm happy to vote on it, great. Let's vote on it. Let's vote on it. There's an easy way to resolve it. But, but it's interesting. So Fox News asked Durbin that question in the hallway. You saw, saw at the end, he's like, thanks, Fox, yeah. with this, like, nastiness. Well, what happened next was interesting. So Durbin went into the hearing room, and he tried to, tried to rehabilitate himself. He yeah, tried to say, cover your ass, yeah. politics. So, so, so watch what he said as soon as he came into the hearing room. Senator Blackburn, before you leave, I want to make a point for the record, since I understand you made some statements about the Jeffrey Epstein flight logs. There's a Fox reporter in the hallway who asked me about this, and I said I had not spoken to you one time about this issue. I think you'll back me up on that. I'm not, not mistaken. I didn't know that this was even a subject of your amendments, which, if you'll recall, you were the first on the list until the two-hour rule was invoked. Uh, I don't know anything about this request on your part. I'll be happy to discuss it with you. But I haven't done any discussion with you to this point. Correct? Mr. Chairman, I know, and I think you're fully aware that I had two amendments, I one wasn't. dealing with Epstein and Sotomayor. I brought it up previously. I have to confess I didn't know that you'd offer that amendment. Happy to discuss it with you, but I want to point on the record. You and I have never personally discussed this, have we? We talked briefly on the floor at you the conclusion. You never mentioned what the subject matter of your amendment was. You said you wanted to offer In committee, amendment. I brought up my the subject matter of my amendments. Not in my Three presence. Weeks. Not in my presence. Do you believe him? Well, the nice thing is, uh, as, as they say, we can roll the tape. What he said there is a flat-out lie. It is objectively false. We're going to show, show that to you in just a moment. It is unequivocally false. It is possible, giving him enormous benefit of the doubt, he forgot. <laughs> yeah. It is possible it was not a knowing lie. But it is unequivocally, 100% demonstrably false that the words he said are wrong. And I'll show you why. We're going to right now play the tape of that first hearing. Now, I was there. Marsha Blackburn was there. And Dick Durbin was there. And you're going to hear Marsha bring up her amendment about Jeffrey Epstein. He just said, you've never mentioned Jeffrey Epstein in my presence. I was not physically present. Well, you're going to see Dick Durbin recognize her and then cut her off while she's bringing up Jeffrey Epstein. Roll the tape. I seek recognition. Senator Blackburn. Since we're in the business of issuing subpoenas now, here are a few more that I've filed. A subpoena to Jeffrey Epstein's estate to provide the flight logs for his private plane. Thank you, Senator. Um, When I recognized you, I didn't know what subject you wished to speak to. As I announced at the beginning, the first thing we'll consider the two judicial nominations. Then we will move to the subpoena. So she's speaking to the man in the middle of the room. He's right there in the middle. It's direct eye contact. He's looking directly at her. He's at the hearing room. He's in the center center. I'm in between Durbin and and Marsha Blackburn. We're all sitting there. She flat out says, I want to subpoena Jeffrey Epstein's flight records. And he's and he hears it. He recognizes her. Then he interrupts and says, no, 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 I want to do some other stuff first. This is easy to resolve. We should subpoena Epstein's flight records. If there are politicians, Democrat or Republican, or anybody else who was on that plane, who was going to that island, who who was molesting and sexually assaulting children, we should know who they are. 
we shouldn't have Jeffrey Epstein's client list and the fact that the Democrats are apparently in a full-on panic. I, I don't know if Durbin knows somebody on that list. Or multiple people. Or I don't know if they're just afraid. I, I don't know what their fear is, but they're plainly terrified of voting on it. And if I'm wrong, Durbin can solve it very easily by bringing it up for a vote and issuing the subpoena. And to be clear, when we subpoena those flight logs, we should make them public. I will tell you this, one of my favorite moments in all of Senate Judiciary was when John Kennedy leaned forward at a hearing and he said, Christmas tree ornaments and Jeffrey Epstein. Two things you know didn't hang themselves. And this is why he is a legend of the Senate. I, I, I almost laughed out a lung, and I'm sitting there. John sits a couple of sp- uh, seats to my right. I, I almost fell over. I was like, I cannot believe he just said that in a live and open hearing of Senate Judiciary. He did, but it seems to me, I don't know if Jeffrey Epstein had a visit from Hillary Clinton late at night. I don't know what happened. But it seems to me Dick Durbin really, really, really doesn't want you to know what happened. You can protect your retirement in this crazy economy with a gold IRA. Now, the question is, who do you call? Well, let me tell you why I trust Augusta Precious Metals and why I actually use them. Because they give you knowledge and information before you do anything. You've seen what's been going on in the economy. You've seen what's happened with inflation, interest rates, and our nation's debt. Having part of my investment portfolio in physical gold gives me peace of mind. Now, I love Augusta Precious Metals because they will sit down with you for free and answer all of your questions in a one-on-one web conference. They also can send you the free investor's guide on gold, so you can actually read it beforehand and then have all your questions that you want to ask. There are a ton of companies out there that sell gold, there's no doubt about it. You want to find a company that answers your questions and explains to you if a gold IRA or a 401k is right for you. They'll even tell you if it's not right for you. So call them right now, 877, the number four, gold IRA. That's 877, the number four, gold IRA. You can also go online to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Get the free investor's guide on gold and then set up that web conference so you can ask every question you have about gold and an IRA or a 401k as part of a diversified portfolio. AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Senator, last question for you, bonus question. I'm going to throw this one at you because I just got to know what you think. In theory this week, there's a guy by the name of Hunter Biden that's supposed to show up to testify. Uh, Be subpoenaed. He's been subpoenaed. He's supposed to be behind closed doors. He's supposed to show up and answer questions. It's something that Donald Trump's kids had to do for hours on end. They didn't make an excuse for not showing up. Will he or will he not show up this week in your in your opinion? Look, there are a lot of times where I have strong, um, strong senses of probabilities. I have to say I really don't know. I put it at about 50-50. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all if he did show up. But it would not surprise me if he didn't. If he doesn't show up, the House will hold him in contempt. But if the House holds him in contempt, the Biden Justice Department is not going to prosecute the contempt finding. And so just like Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress, if the House holds Hunter Biden in contempt and the Biden DOJ refuses to do anything about it, 
Hunter gets off scot-free. So actually, as I'm talking about it, I'm <laughs> talking myself into... You're coming to my side on this. I'm, no way he shows up. I'm talking myself into 60-40. He doesn't show up. All right. I say 100% he doesn't show up. All right. We're going to cover it this week. That I can promise you. So don't forget, it's going to be a very big week with the Hunter Biden investigation. Do not miss a single episode. Uh, Hit that follow, subscribe, or auto-download button wherever you get this podcast. Apple has changed their algorithms. We've heard from a lot of you. you got to go back in there. Make sure you hit that follow button. If you don't auto-download so many episodes, they'll actually shut it off. It's very weird how their new algorithm works, so make sure you do that. Plus, we have a weekend recap every Saturday. So if you miss some episodes during the week, we grab a few different things from later in those episodes and put them in our best of on Saturdays. And the Senator and I will see you back here on Wednesday morning. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. He's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.